Good morning. Good morning, good afternoon. Good night. So, I don't know if you guys know this. It's kind of important, but uh, Kevin's let fame go to his head. The fame of the podcast world. All the fame and fortune that comes with it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go look at our Instagram page. He's buying big cats and stuff. But anyways... Um, yeah, so if this is your first time joining the podcast, welcome, and if you enjoy it, subscribe, follow, share it with somebody, and we appreciate that for sure. Uh, we are doing YouTube now, so go check that out as well, subscribe to the YouTube, and help us keep growing this thing. Tell them about our guest, Kevin. Uh, we are talking to Christy Brewer. She is a competitive weightlifter and a mother and she lives in our neighborhood and you know we start talking to cool people she's pretty cool facts very very good person very nice person uh i'd say very humble person as well you know considering you know what she does and what she does for her kids and yeah she's pretty pretty impressive she's a multiple world record holder and yes competitive olympic weightlifting and no, definitely. Like, I feel we're on a good track record of having good people on. We haven't had any, like, dirt bags or anything yeah. yet. So. And that's kind of the goal of this thing is to show the world some interesting, cool, we gotta have good on people. One, we got to have on one dirt bag, though, so we can just, like, fucking berate them the whole time. Well, here. we we have us. That's true. <laughs> no, like, no. You are a slimy piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been good. It's been really good. To, we've, we've had good luck with either finding people or them finding us to get on here. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's been, it's been really good. And what, this is episode 20. Wow. We've been doing this for over 20 weeks. The big 20. Yeah. Cause we, I think we skipped one week. So yeah, we've been doing over 20 weeks, this podcast. Um, Oh, we officially, I announced it on the social media, but we are, have surpassed a thousand downloads, which is really cool for some reason over a thousand times people wanted to listen to our dumbasses talk to people so that's kind of awesome yeah <laughs> and yeah we wanted to keep keep growing and get some more cool people in here and we we've been doing these through zoom um the audio i know sometimes is sketchy uh we try to edit it to sound the best we can eventually it will go back to in person um we just also zoom is better for reaching out to people all over the yeah country or all over the world for that matter but yeah we'll eventually get a camera yeah we might start an only fans page to fund that <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and i mean even the, even this this episode i mean our guest literally lives in our neighborhood but we did it through zoom because the reason we're doing them even people that live here through zoom is because of the camera situation we want to have it up on youtube and we need to actually purchase some cameras and get that set up and learn how to do that but mm-hmm. that'll be in the future for sure but yeah so check out kevin's only fans when he starts it and subscribe to that as well <laughs> uh so yeah um i guess we'll get into the episode and tell a friend about this podcast tell them what they're missing out on yeah bye <laughs> So, uh, I guess we can start with your weightlifting stuff because that's like what you seem to do, <laughs> along with a lot of other, <laughs> along with a lot of other things. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Where do you want me to start? Um, How'd you get into it? Yeah. So I started weightlifting in 2015, but I first started with CrossFit. And I found CrossFit in 2014. So it's kind of an interesting story. I, I, my second kid was born in 2012, you know, just kind of like the baby weight, the typical baby weight that you can't get the last part off. And so I ended up joining CrossFit to lose the baby weight. And then I ended up gaining more weight than I was losing because of muscle. Like all of a sudden I started lifting um, when my goal prior was to just get thin, kind of like fit into this mold of being like fit to me back then was thin and then when I found CrossFit um I realized like strength strength and muscle was cool and that totally fits me 
And so I ultimately found weightlifting through CrossFit. And yeah, I started when I was 35 training weightlifting. Nice. That's, that's, awesome. that's pretty common, isn't it? Like people start packing on muscle and they get more comfortable with it. I mean, Kevin was a, he owned a CrossFit gym for quite a while. So he knows quite a bit about that, but yeah, no, I see shit. I've met people that started at 50 and then they're, by the time they're 53, cool. they're, they're pulling, you know, like 400 pound deadlifts, you know, and they're, I usually, it's just starting at that age, not really snatching or cleaning very well. You know, if the mobility is not there prior, right. it's not really going to show up at that age very well. Um, they're very fast at least. But no, it's cool to see people like think like, holy shit, like I thought I was old. I couldn't do this, you know, <laughs> like, no, you can. It's yeah. pretty, <laughs> we're pretty amazing when we're not just eating too much sugar and being overly stressed out. Our bodies are amazing. You know, we our genetics yep. are very adaptable, you know, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, I believe that we're told this story or we believe this story that after high school, after college, that um, you're essentially like athletic career is over when like you're 25 and you have so much life left to live. And so that was a huge eye opener to me to realize that I was still so, I was far more capable than what the image in my head was. And you can gain something so much more when you're not sedentary or like you said, fueling your body. And so to me, it was a game changer also the more I trained, the more I wanted my nutrition to be in check. And both of those going hand in hand was a game changer for my performance. Um, and that like literally at 25, I thought, oh, I'm done. I'm just going to, you know, raise my kids. I'm going to work forever and pay bills. And that's life. So yeah, hmm. yeah it was total change. <laughs> yeah, it, and it makes you feel, I guess it changes your perspective, right? Like that old saying, like, if you change the way you see things, the things you see change. Right. And if you just saw the world. Through, so I like that. Yeah, I exactly. I haven't heard that before. I like that. And that's what I like about like women getting strong where we, we see, we saw things through the lens for so long, like women, sorry, I say we, sorry, women, like I have to be the skinny <laughs> model, right? Like I have to look this way, but yep. as, soon as you change the way you see things or yourself or reality, it's like, Oh, the way I saw myself now changes. Now I'm beautiful because mm-hmm. I have more mass on me. Like holy shit, it just changed my perception or perspective. Um, and so, yep. Because Diddy Mac, look at the 1960s. Like you said, after college, you're done. You basically just smoke, mm-hmm. get fat, and fucking stay at home. You know, if you're a housewife, you're for the guy. You're just smoking, getting drunk. You're not. I mean, that was my grandparents. They were yep. in like 1910. They were old, and they were collegiate athletes. Went on to get law degrees or whatever, and after that they were just alcoholics right like that was just the way things were you know it's like i I think back to like even our parents when my dad was 40 he was old like like he looked like an old man yeah and i remember thinking gosh my parents are so old (laughs) and now like somebody who's 40 or 50 they're not that they're not old now it's it's a totally different thing i think people are more health conscious and more conscious about a lot of things than they were back in the day but it's uh it's cool to see that yeah and like for me I mean I, I didn't work out my whole life I was never into into weightlifting or anything and I got into it with CrossFit as well because of Kevin <clears throat> and I learned a lot about myself nice. <laughs> doing that you you just you learn how you know how hard you can push and and it's the same thing when I was going to his gym I would see people in their fifties come in and they look, you know, scared because everybody's all fit. And I, I was always scared going in there and like, Oh man, I'm, I'm going to die in here. But then you see over time, <laughs> yeah. they slowly start to get more confidence and feel better about themselves, which I did as well doing that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. No, I, I feel like, a, I don't know. Weightlifting has, I think it's, I don't know if it's just because of the, the complexity of the movements the i don't know because like i i got into it when i was like 15 you know and i've competed in like the 94 kilogram class mm. at the light end of it like i should have just dropped a couple pounds but <laughs> um i right <laughs> I, I came to crossfit i had i've been to i don't know 10 11 12 of their courses right but nothing really stuck 
like with being through like Bergner's courses and stuff, it was always weightlifting. You know, it was always my focus. And I thought, well, maybe mm-hmm. wait, all these courses all adapt. You know, maybe I'll get more into the powerlifting or strongman or in the gymnastics, which were all fun. Like I had a high standard for myself with those and all, but weightlifting just always stood out like, no, that's just the one. That's like the pinnacle of what I like doing around CrossFit. You know, I, I love short, very intense things. I'm wired that way. I mean, in everything I do, you know, I don't, I don't marathon run in anything I do. Right. And so I feel like weightlifting is yeah. an extension of that, per- <laughs> I feel you that, that personality. One. Yeah. Like if you're the person who likes like nailing work for like a yeah. at a time and taking breaks, that's when I mean, that's how I am. Right. Like, so weightlifting fits that narrative of like being very intense for a short amount of time, but you need to be focused when you're doing it. You can't just be lollygagging off doing a marathon run, right? You have to be very focused. And uh, yeah, so I always feel like people that are good at lifting are usually similar to me in that aspect. I've found, you know, kind of similar people, but. Yeah, no, I like weightlifting because of that. There's multiple reasons. I like it. And so I'm an accountant. And so I love the meticulousness of the training. It's very methodical. You know exactly what you're training where CrossFit was so many modalities mixed mm-hmm. into one workout. And then you could show up to a competition and it would be totally a different combination that you have never trained and you have to adapt. And while that is great, and I think it's um, an awesome opportunity, I personally like to know exactly what I'm training for and exactly how to get there. Yeah. And so that personality or that fits my personality on top of, my body type so I finally like I've always been this thick stocky girl and so training weightlifting and like the muscles and celebrating that strength versus trying to be this thin little petite person um like all of it rolled into this one package of training weightlifting like I love it and obviously I love it because I'm addicted to it (laughs) it's my addiction I guess so when did you when did you decide that like hey I want to compete in this Cause like you said, you started at what, 35 years old. Uh, uh-huh. Did you like start seeing yourself doing really well at it? And you're like, man, I could probably, I could do something with this or. Yeah. So I guess that goes back to my whole addictive personality. When I get into something I'm all in and I just, I want to go, I want to go in and go as far as I can. And so when I first started well, I started CrossFit and I realized that I was much better at weightlifting. I suck at gymnastics. I don't have a gymnastics background. I wish I did. And so I struggled with that in CrossFit where weightlifting was my strength. And so I just gravitated toward training that because I did well. And the more I trained, the better I got. And so it was like this momentum and my first competition in weightlifting that I actually qualified for nationals. And so I was only a few months into training qualified for nationals. And that was just an eye-opening experience of, wow, I'm here. And so I want to go to the next level. So I, my first competition ever, I was in the C session. And so I wanted to get to the A session and then that just kind of transpired or snowballed from going from A session then, so now my goal is uh, to continue to make international teams for Team USA. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. And you you hold a world record, don't you? Yeah, I hold. So I compete. I started as a master's athlete. So I actually compete as a master's and I also in the open division. So I hold multiple world records in the master division. That's really cool. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, I mean, you you have you have a big, pretty big social media following from what I've seen, and it's funny because like my wife has followed you on there for a while, as far as I know, and I think Kevin's wife as well. Oh, that's yeah, funny. I, saw you at the pool. I think she met you at the pool one day. She was like, "Oh my god, it's Christy!" Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, and yes, I totally met her at the pool. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like my wife, because we had started we started this podcast. And we're always looking for interesting, impressive people to bring on here. And my wife brought you up to me and she's like, Hey, I follow her. She's like, I've seen her at the school, picking up the kids. She's like, you should try and get in touch with her. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I, I'm glad I did. And I, I had seen you there before as well, but I hadn't, I didn't follow you. So I, I didn't know yeah. who you were. My wife did. And then I started following you and I'm like, Oh, this, this, <laughs> she's a badass. <laughs> so 
It was it was cool. It was cool to... I'm the crazy lady who shows up to um, I show up at the school pickup covered in chalk. My hands are usually still taped, and I'm often still in my lifters because I will literally train up until the the moment I have to run out the door. With your with your notorious bun mohawk. <laughs> yes, yes, it's yeah. functional. No, I always. I'm weird. straight up um, a function over fashion. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I will say I always feel weird like. Like, not that I haven't met all the neighbors I live around, um, but, like, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll do runs in, like, my plate carrier, and the people are just, like, kind of, like, I don't know, weirded <laughs> out by it. Like, just slow down. Like, what the fuck? Like, they're pointing. They're, like, <laughs> why, like, is it, why does he have a bulletproof vest on? <laughs> like, dude, it's just, like, it's... <laughs> and, like, I keep on trying, like, because Rob Oberst lives, like, two doors, three doors down from me. I keep on trying to, like, I want to go, like, fucking work out with him sometime. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, there's a there's a but, guy he moved in. Do you know who Rob Oberst is? He's a strongman. I've heard of him. Like, yeah, it's just a different community. Yeah, I yeah. definitely. Well, I guess he lives. Know, it's a he, different different community. He lives in the subdivision as well. And yeah, we've been talking about like it'd be cool to work out with him. Dude, you can't miss him. It's like Bigfoot walking through the neighborhood. Yeah, he's a like, he's a big giant man. That's yeah. That's what I heard. Yeah, dude. <laughs> See, I blend in. I can I can put a coat on and I just like it look like any other mom going to school pickup. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's hard trying to like, yeah, like blend in. Like I used to like just wear a rogue or like my Innovate shoes everywhere I went. You know, and, like I've matured to the point where like I can afford clothes. So like even like our kids and everything. So it's like now like I can actually like, just wear regular clothes around sometimes. But it's weird, like, how long I would do that for. Like, everybody that's in CrossFit does it. If it's not like, shirt, it's, like, the shoes or something or, like, weightlifters. Like, you always know. Like, someone's wearing, like, a yeah. know, caffeine and kilo shirts and stuff. It's kind of <laughs> nice to know who's, like, in the community. Yeah. But. Oh, yeah, for sure. You stand, stand out, but it's also, like you said, an identity of community. And I just don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> I wear whatever I'm, in, like, com- physically comfortable in. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's the same in, in to that point of like I will most of my trainings in the garage, mm-hmm. but sometimes I'll have to do except down the street, and I always get looks if I'm pushing a sled, carrying kettle, like doing farmer carries. Um, yeah, I always get super crazy looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I I train in the garage solely now too. I was doing some of it. I'm a student at BSU, so I was doing some of it there sometimes, and it was I just felt self conscious in a way. I mean, I was also kind of older there, so it was kind of weird too. But like, just because everyone's kind of dumb and just using, you know, the machines and everything, so I always kind of felt weird doing what I was doing. Um, I still kind of feel we're doing what I'm doing now yeah. in the neighborhood, but <laughs> not as bad, I guess. But yeah, jeez, oh, I think yep. uh, over this last. 11 months with COVID and stuff, garage workouts have become more normal than ever. I know. I it's, mean, sometimes it's hard because it's like cold out there. My joints hurt though. I'm like, yeah. Oh fuck man. I just need to warm up inside the house or something. I don't know. It's just like, <laughs> it's, sometimes it's hard to get motivated and like maybe just go around a run first and get warmed up. But uh, yeah. Hard in the winter to want to lift. I finally invested in a, a, a heater for oh. my garage. And that's, is huge. Yeah, I don't totally regret training in training in the winter. You you have one of the like garage heaters yeah, that goes up on the ceiling. Invest in a heater. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to just have a propane heater, and mm-hmm. so it would like blow fire, and it was fast, and it would heat up, but it would also dissipate pretty quick mm-hmm. on top of it. Super super loud, and yeah. so you couldn't couldn't hear the music. And if I had people over, you literally couldn't talk. You were screaming at each other. So I finally, it's actually a guy in the neighborhood. He's an electrician. And so he did all the electrical work and put in a, an electric heater. Ooh, mm. Nice. Yeah. Cause but, we have, we have, uh, yeah. The gas hookup in our garage, like it's ready for it. Mm-hmm. And so we, we've thought, cause we have a gym set up yeah. in our garage as well. So that would be, that would be nice. <clears throat> yeah. But, it wasn't as cheap or it wasn't as expensive, as expensive as I thought it would be. <clears throat> Oh, it's not good. bad. Yeah, that would that would be nice. Yes. I feel like 
I want to do that, but like first, like I gotta do like the hardwood floors in the living rooms. They had carpet. And with two kids, it's already just trash. <laughs> and like, no like, way, man. Priorities. You get that garage done. I know, <laughs> dude. Like the walls. Like I've never had a new house. Like I, my last house I owned was a was really cool. But I mean, it was built in like the early. It was like 1962. You know, down in Boise. Uh huh. And you know, the walls probably had eight layers of paint on them so they're indestructible and like dude in these new houses mm-hmm. with this single layer spray that they do it's like the kids like fucking sneeze wrong and there's like holes in the wall like i don't know how much yeah i've lived here for like what since october 2015 <laughs> you know like it's like the house is falling apart while i'm trying to like just move into it man so yeah i want to i want to finish the yep. after i you know redo everything else in the house you know? yeah we've, we've been here for actually exactly a year today we moved in a year ago oh wow and we already have stuff we have kids you know so the things happen when you have children yeah and they they like to destroy oh, yeah. things <laughs> yeah i just need to put like four layers of paint on this new house on the inside just get it get it done. <laughs> um yeah so um so you said you were an accountant are you sort of through COVID? are you able to do any of that from home or are you still going in yeah, no, I actually, so I used to work corporate America when we lived in California. Oh, cool. Um, so I'm originally from CUNA, went to school, and then my corporate years were in California. But ultimately, that's a long story, but we wanted to move back home mm-hmm. <laughs> out of that state. Yeah. And so when my, when we moved back, back to Idaho, I be, um, worked self-employed. So I just take on clients and do it. I've, I've always worked from home in oh, Idaho. Yes good that's awesome that's yeah yeah corporate america sucked (laughs) yeah that's what uh my wife is currently transitioning into being self-employed from home as well um my mother-in-law who lives with us she does like bookkeeping and stuff like that for for a large company she also does it from home for a bunch of small businesses and so now my because my wife she worked in the hospital world up until covid stuff and Mm-hmm. that's a whole nother story um but uh so she's she's home now and she's she's back in school for for business accounting stuff like that and so she's starting to take on a role with her mom for the stuff that she does at home and eventually she's oh, gonna, that's cool she's going to kind of take that over and it's cool because you can work from home in a lot of jobs mm-hmm. <clears throat> and i don't think people realize that you could do that until they were forced to Right. Yeah. It's what, Oh yeah. why go in when you can stay home and do the same thing, be more productive because you don't have someone watching over you. Like you need to put in your nine hours. Like, Hey, how about I put in a solid four? I eat well, I work out and have less stress and I get more done. Like, you know, yep. that whole industrial age model that we've been living by in the school systems as well is very faulty, you know, and outdated. Um, so no, I like the idea of working from home. Um, I've been thinking a lot more, a lot more lately about doing that too because i don't think i'm not i don't think i'm going to produce pro, sorry um to go for my phd because it would be out of state because i'm in the physics i'm a senior mm. physics program and there's no and it's for synthesis okay. and there's no astrophysics <laughs> phds anywhere around here and with the kids like i'm not yeah that's intense so um i've been thinking more and more about working from home doing something like that like maybe working for like a a credit card company doing algorithms or something you know um something but more about that too which would be cool you know less daycare for the kids yeah. and just being able to be at home and well it's good for the kids to have the parents at home yeah That's something we've learned through this past year is our kids have been way better off having my wife here with them yeah during the day i i'm not fortunate enough to i have to i have to go to right. work but my job is impossible to do from home right i'm, I'm a i'm a truck driver so i can't really do, okay. that, do that from home. <laughs> you yeah. can't drive them virtually <laughs> no dang it i wish but uh <laughs> but yeah it's uh it's been cool to have her home now with the kids and the way the school year went this year we didn't know what the heck was going to happen you know and our yep. our little guy who who you've seen when picking up the kids he goes to school full-time he's in kindergarten mm-hmm. so it's only half a day and then my older son he's full-time online and he I think me and you actually talked about this a little bit when I saw you, but yeah, he has a really hard time with going changing 
with changes he's he's on the autism spectrum and yeah and change is a really hard thing for him he's getting better as he gets older with it but we we decided just do online we're going to stay 100 percent online this whole year and we'll see what happens and he's he's excelled he 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 does really well online i think it's because there's less distraction from other kids or something but he does really well um i guess so if if you're comfortable talking and talking about that you you have an autistic child as well um yep that's a experience that not many can relate with we talked about that as well when i saw you the other day yeah so yeah is there anything specific that you would like to know about her us like um i mean situation because i i like personally i know it's it's a struggle sometimes and it's but it's also it's really cool to have a kid on the spectrum because they they're different you know and that's a cool i think being different is cool mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um and as right. far as as far as i know no i mean just like any human being no child with autism is the same as the next and so everybody has a little different right. ex- experience with it um how how old was she when when you guys when she was diagnosed or when you started thinking, Hey, she, she might be on the spectrum or anything like that. Yeah. So we actually, well, I started noticing deficiencies around five to six months. She was not meeting those, you know, all those milestone charts. And I was that mom that had had it printed out and was checking off the boxes. And so she was not rolling over to both sides around five to six months. And so I started the process or I started talking to like my pediatrician and it was always, Oh, she's fine. She's just delayed. And it just kept um, being, it just like, I knew something was off. And so I kept thinking about it, kept um, talking, but I kept being told, you know, she's, she's just delayed. It's fine. So ultimately I ended up self-referring to the state. We were in California. That's how it works. And so someone um, came to our house. And so her original diagnosis with was low muscle tone. So at 10 months is when we started the uh, physical therapy and occupational therapy. And then when she was around two is when we noticed a speech delay. Mm-hmm. And so that is when she originally got her. Um, well, we had a speech therapist come in and the speech therapist was like, mm, no, there's something else. Like it was, that's when there was you know, she wasn't making eye contact, her concentration was low. And so when we got her um, in for an evaluation with a neurologist is when she got her diagnosis. She was two. Oh, wow. That's, and that's yeah, cool. it was, yeah. it is very, it was young and it was hard, super, mm-hmm. super hard. I, at the time did not know anyone on the spectrum. I did not know anything about autism. It just was not, it was so foreign to me that it was, super scary. And as a mother, I felt like I had failed and that it was my fault. And it took a lot. (laughs) Um, That was a lot of also, this is when I had started like my CrossFit journey. And so there was just so much changing in my life in this time. And yeah, and it just made me realize that it scared me because A, I didn't know about it. And because there is always this uh, story of, you know, perfection and that you should be like this certain way and do these certain things. And she didn't, like her life was lived very differently. And she, the way we raised her, the way we talked to her, like those things are very, very different. And like, there's this path of this is how you should, and this is what you need to do with your kids. And none of that worked for her. And that was hard but what also makes me want to speak up about it is because life really isn't just done one way, mm-hmm. like back to where we talked about, you know, when you're 25, you're done. Now you get, you know, you get married, you have kids, you go to school and you like, that's the path I thought I should do. When in reality, there's so many ways you can do life and still be successful and still be happy. And it doesn't have to be the way that you think it should be done. And so her diagnosis and her journey was like a flip in my world and a flip in my viewpoint. Um, and it was almost like breaking free. 
because I didn't feel such a pressure of society and whatever. I still feel that pressure of things that you should live up to, but feel less and basically saying, screw you. Like I'm going to do what works for us because this is her life, my life. And like, you can live it. You want to, but I'm going to live it the way I want to. (laughs) So that was a long story, but that's essentially, it was a game, a game changer. It's, and it's cool that you, you do speak out about it. Like, I mean, I've, I saw it's in your Instagram bio that you're an autism mom. That's how I, how I yep. met a child on the spectrum. And it's cool. Cause I, we were in the same boat. We didn't know anything, anything about autism whatsoever. And you never want to think that there's mm-hmm. anything wrong with your child. And it's almost like a denial thing, but that all that does is yep. that, that that's worse for the child. If, if a parent is going to deny them, access to therapy and stuff like that by saying hey there's yeah. nothing wrong they're they're just delayed and <clears throat> our son was i think like cuz he he's my stepson and i came into his life around 3 years old and mm-hmm. he he was just like any 3 year old kid minus the the language he was very very delayed and we kind of thought something was going on for a while and the older he got like into four and five years old it was kind of like he would really try to talk but when he would the words would be out of order and it wouldn't make sense mm-hmm. and we we got to a point where we we understood what he was saying but anybody else if he tried to talk to him they'd be like uh he's speaking gibberish pretty much and so we we took him <laughs> yeah we took him and got him evaluated the first time they said you know we can't he's he's it's too early we're not sure he's probably just delayed kind of the same thing. And I think about five or six years old, we took him back in and they did another evaluation of him and we found out he was on the spectrum and, you know, he's, he is super high functioning. Um, his biggest thing is social, social stuff. He, yep. he has a, a hard time, which he's getting better as he gets older. You know, he's 13 now and he, he's more aware of of people's emotions and and you know uh, facial expression and social cues and stuff but that was his i think that's another reason online schooling has been better for him because he has a really hard time relating to other kids and then there's some areas where he's damn near genius and yeah my my brain is not the same as his and it's like okay how do you understand that because i don't understand that and he'll have to explain it to me which is i think is really cool um but the and the older he gets you know i mean as far as i know there's no fixing autism but there's things to help and he he's Mm -hmm. been he's been in speech therapy since he was i think three or four years old and his speech has gotten better and there's times like he'll he'll talk and he'll say something and it'll be it won't make sense still and i'll say hey try that try that sentence again and he'll do it again when he thinks about it and it comes out the way everybody can understand and so he's right. aware, he's aware of it, but it's me, me and you talked about this. It's, it's hard to relate, you know, to people, people who have never been involved with anybody on the spectrum. They don't, they don't get it. Like we talked about IEPs and stuff like that at school. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's something that, that not many people can relate to. I just wish there was more awareness out there because I mean, I'm sure you feel the same. I don't want somebody who knows nothing about it, looking at my child and being like, well, what's, what's wrong with them? Because there is right. nothing wrong with them. And that's that's where I think I'm not talking about this a lot, like determinism, right? You start telling someone they fit in a certain mold, and then they act accordingly to that. You're slow. You're a hundred percent. And so they're like, okay, I'm slow and behind. I should use this as a crutch as I get older, and I should just expect not to succeed. Mm-hmm. Instead of getting away from that industrialized school system and going to no, this person's actually fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. This person is going to be very successful at some things. Most kids on the spectrum are are very good at focusing and obsessing over some one thing at a given time, and then make, being really good at that. Almost like I want, I don't know, maybe like a savant in a sense, right? They can be really, really good because they're hard themselves usually as well at that. And it's like, so what's wrong with that? They're, it's maybe just evolution, right? We've got, mm-hmm. we've got to this point in the Western world of being over-specialized, right? We're not jack-of-all-trades hunter-gatherers anymore. We don't need to be able to do that. We need to be able to specialize in one thing and be very good at it. And most kids on the spectrum do do that. So maybe it's just evolution. 
and maybe we need to approach them as, Hey, you're just different. You know, I was always behind growing up, but I was smarter than the majority of people in my class because I didn't learn the same way everybody else did. And no one recognized that. It was just, Oh, he's slow. You know, like, no, it's not like, I don't know if I'm, I was autistic. It's probably just other shit, you know, but well, that's, so- that's something with Kevin here. <laughs> I, I've, I've told Kevin, I'm like, dude, I think you might be on the spectrum. <laughs> and I, I, we grew up together. <laughs> we, we, me and Kevin grew up together and, and him and my son have a lot of similarities and I've always, and he's never been evaluated. <laughs> right. And that's the other thing is like, I wonder how many people in our generation or older generations, they never knew that they were on the spectrum and people either thought they were a right. weirdo or they thought what the heck's wrong with that person and I, that makes me feel sad for them because right. they could have gotten some help that might have helped something that might have helped them yeah it was like, oh carl's just a little weird he's off it's like well maybe carl you know needs someone to give him some attention you know like <laughs> when i mean attention i mean focused attention like hey what are you what are you good at what do you want to do because a lot of people's autism actually need direction mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. hey, give you that direction then you can be you can apply that to a myriad of things that you'd be successful at and now that stigma is gone because the person who has autism is emotionally stable because they had parents who were patient with them and who adapted for them and made them better people and because they could succeed at something you know they're not working you know at a gas station and i'm not giving shit people work at gas stations but you know they're not just right you, you can be you have something that's called a disorder right and be way more than mediocre, you know, and it's only a disorder, you know, to the mainstream, mm-hmm. but the mainstream public is also below average intelligence. So I wouldn't trust anything they say. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so, right. yeah. So I don't, I don't like the whole, it sucks having it still being a stigma. Cause I see it as, you know, it's like, Hey, like every person I've seen that I come across with down syndrome, I love them. Like they're little, what do they call them? Like God's little drops of like happiness or something. Like, man, like every person I co- like come across who is down. Yeah. Syndrome, like, I can totally see that. I fall in love with them, man. Like, damn, they're awesome. Mm-hmm. There was one at Cabell's the other day and we took the kids and she was like, she had the same birthday as Grayson, which I don't know how she knew that. She's like, what's his birthday? For November. She's like, is it the 19th? It's like, yeah she's like yeah mine too like it was weird like she was like psychic or something but she's like talked to us like 10 minutes at cabela's and she's like all right well have a good day like Mm -hmm. you know like yeah so i see the i take the positive out of that where i can just feel sorry for them and try to ignore them be like oh yeah cool hey see you later bye you know like you know just be present with people and really try to understand them and I, i think there's still a stigma but it's it's fading yeah as as time goes on and it's like I, I don't know about about you, but when we did find out that he was on the spectrum, I I was like looking online like successful people with autism oh, and yeah. and stuff like that. And there's a lot. There's mm. a, lot, a lot of people. People can still yeah. succeed. Albert Einstein technically had learning disability, right? Yeah, I mean, like my my go to example is uh, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, I mean he created the Ghostbusters and he created, I mean, a lot of really cool. That's things. crazy. Yeah. And that's because his he had an obsession with mm-hmm. ghosts and police, and he's a very successful. And you want your child to succeed, and so it was it was helpful for me to look up like successful people that are on the spectrum, just to kind of to yeah. make myself feel better. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's because we're in an age too where we can go back to nurturing again. We're not. We can get away from the like, hey, the both parents have to be gone for ten hours of the day. And when they get home, they don't want to deal with the kids and they're going to drink. And then the kids kind of are left to their own, you know, like where I think we're going back to a phase where we can be more nurturing. We can be around the kids. We can be present with them. We can kind of guide them through life. And so I think that's a, that's a, that's going to be a really cool thing in the future to see that everyone can do really well, you know, because mm-hmm. we have that, I guess, opportunity. Hmm. Well, and there's also such a variety of whatever you determine success. Yes. So like, that's what I love nowadays is because like, this is one great thing of social media is that you now have access to be successful in a variety of ways Mm -hmm. that you no longer have to have a nine to five job where you go into an office and you have to either set a computer or socialize with someone. There's so many ways to be successful where maybe that child is nonverbal forever, but they can 
you know, there's so many things that they can do. And so I love that now, nowadays, there's so many opportunities that there's not just one way to success. Where when yeah. I was a kid going to school, I felt that this, the narrative was graduate, graduate high school, get a great GPA so you can get into a good college, get a good GPA so you can get a good job. And then you have a good job so you can provide for your family. And that was the way. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, I believe that there's so many ways and that there's so many opportunities and understanding that there's not just one way to success. And there's also not just one way to look, fill and do um, has been a game changer for me, for her in raising her. And I think just as a human culture that there's not just one perfect identity and modality for success. Yeah, it's, there's so much variety yeah. for sure yeah yeah I and yeah I guess when I say success I should go back to like my definition of it which is more about being content not content like being being in a place where you can feel your your true self you can be authentic you can be genuine you can feel happy and you can't be those mm-hmm. things in a negative environment you know you have to be in a safe environment right whether you're an adult or a child and that's why we moved to Century Farm for instance like I wanted the better environment for my children and myself and our family. And, but also be, have the opportunity to challenge my kids because if we live in a nice neighborhood and everything's handed to them, they won't have the proper challenges and they may just not be able to uh, be resilient or adapt too. So it's about, I think, and they need that. And that's part of that. I guess that, that, that pie chart of like what makes someone well-rounded right um, emotionally and they need to be able mm-hmm. to they need to know how to do things they the kids should know how to tie knots for instance so i you know how to do like basic things that kids aren't doing <laughs> right like just and like weightlifting or working out get them into something that's yeah if they have good kin- kinesthetic awareness build on it and if they don't help them build those motor skills like don't just rely on the school system to teach them how to do anything because it's going to fail them. It's going to tell them that a squat is touching knees <laughs> together and just going down. Like, mm-hmm. cool. Like they need their, they need their, <laughs> like, you know, like it is. Yep. And, and that goes on to a whole nother story of like the college system and exercise <laughs> science and all that. It's all like bullshit. Yep. I would not blow 40 or 50 grand on a bullshit degree. Cause you can go read five books in the course of three months and know everything they know. Right. And do it in a faster period to retain the knowledge by applying it. If you're not applying knowledge, you're not really going anywhere. Um, so anyway, I, sorry. I think school systems bullshit. I can't, <laughs> I can't wait to get out of this. Even in the physics program. Like, yeah. Even in the physics program, I think it's just a big money game. You know, two of my years I've been spent taking classes that don't apply to physics, you know, like why I'm a, to make me more well-rounded. I'm already in my thirties. Anything I need to be, anything i need to know to be well-rounded i search out on my own you'll need someone handing that to you because it doesn't make you want to learn it anyway right um and then again that makes me realize oh shit that's how my kids are that's how a lot of kids are get on their level what do they take interest in and if they honestly don't care about art which most kids actually do or there's something they don't like or don't care about don't force it on them you're going to put them in a negative environment Mm -hmm. And then again, if you want them to be successful, it's having them in a positive environment where they can be build confidence because they're growing and doing better at things that they are taking interest in. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's the, the whole, like, sorry, my huge regression there, but coming back to the success was it's in, it's in, like you said, it's on an individual basis. Success to someone is different than somebody else. Mm-hmm. And sometimes success is just being in a positive environment and progressing forward as something you take interest in. You know, and that's kind of how I view it because that's kind of, yep. yeah. So, um, <laughs> we'll segue into something I wanted to ask earlier. I forgot. So, in your, okay. in your training method, um, I mean, I know there's a few, but like, I know people stick to like one or to two styles of training. So, it's kind of for, like wondering what yours is closest to. Like, for instance, I would, mine is the short and sweet method, which always benefited me more than high volume. You know, I'd hit a subclassical mm-hmm. lift, then I'd have I'd hit a supplemental lift after that. Like if I was doing, you know, snatch pulls or something, you know, six by two or whatever, I would go right into like 
strict press behind the neck. And then after that, I would go into auxiliary lifting or bodybuilding for some people. Um, and then mm-hmm. maybe some um, static core work. And then obviously there's the high volume. There's the subclassical, subclassical, then supplementary, then another supplementary, maybe heavy, heavy ass lunges and then bodybuilding and then core. So what, where do you, do you range from one or the other or kind of stick with one? Yeah. So because, um, mainly weightlifting is year round. So I feel like we're constantly training for a competition. When that ends, we have like a short break and we jump right back into a training cycle. And so my training is, so I'll do the classic lifts, snatch or clean snatch, then clean and jerk. And whether that's some accessory of the lift, because it's never like the full lift, there's always something that we're working on. Mm-hmm. So as we get closer to competition, then it's the full lift, the full snatch, the full clean and jerk from the floor, right. you know, that, that full variation. Um, so anyway, some variation of a snatch, some variation of a clean and jerk, then I'll either squat or pull whether that's a front squat, back squat, um, snatch pulls, clean pulls, some variation of like a heavy pull off the ground. And then we move into accessory lifts. Um, I generally am using overhead work because I've used so much of my legs and back during squats and pulls. So my accessories are overhead and then I'll move into core and posterior chain. And then I'll do my physical therapy exercises because there, I swear there's always something I'm trying to correct. So right now I'm working on a hip shift um, because weightlifting is a balance. We're all about balance and sy- symmetrical, but we're also used both bilateral. So I'm um, my left leg is weaker. So mm. I'm doing a lot of uh, unilateral work on my left, my left leg. Yeah. All my yeah. auxiliary lifting That's is, training is yeah, definitely unilateral stuff. It's, always with dumbbells or always something awkward. Um, all, yeah. all like any of the auxiliary lifting I do is not with the barbell. Um, the only thing I'll do with my hands, both on the same object would be like maybe plate curls or something, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but, um, which I noticed cause curls, you know, have a bad rep, but curls are great for getting blood around the elbows for snatches. If your snake, your elbows are awkward during snatches, do some curls before or after whatever. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I noticed uh, with uh, my glutes, like I, I something else, and that's a big thing, any athlete, I guess, but especially weightlifters, like if they don't have a butt, they're probably not doing very well or they're compensating and their back's going to go out <laughs> anyway. Like, so like that you're saying, yeah. most of my auxiliary training is upper body other than the glutes, like lower body, like slow, you know, slow lunges, hip, you know, hip thrusts, whatever um banded kickbacks anything i can think of the monster walk because i feel like the more i build my butt up the better my back feels and the better my knees feel but if i'm not working on my glutes my knees my back are just dog shit and then i can't lift you know um yeah well and we do squats and pulls every day so we're constantly working that posterior chain which is honestly one of the pinnacles of weightlifting and lifting weights. So for, for me, for us, like we call weightlifting, smash and clean and jerk. And then there's lifting weights and switch everything else. Yeah. Um, but the posterior chain and core is in my opinion, one of the most underrated things in lifting because everyone wants to do, you know, just the curls or just the squats. When if this, if you're not, when, I don't know if you can see, but the core, if that is not strong, like that is where everything starts um, a, a solid trunk. That's why I'm, I have no hourglass shape. I am a box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. That's, um, that's good. You know, cause yeah, if the trunk's weak, like, you know, you see like the physique bodybuilders I'm like, God damn, like it hurts. So I got a back injuries, like from Afghanistan stuff. So like, I feel uh-huh. like sympathy pain. When I see guys look like that. I'm like, oh man, deadlifts must hurt. Like makes my back hurt. Like guys with yeah. like small trunks and big arms like like i get it like it's appealing to some people but it, to me it just makes because i like but it's it. physical like right yeah so i love that there's a deviation like obviously you train for what you your goals are but if you want to be an athlete and you want to be functional in lifting 
you train for a thick core and you train for performance. You don't train to look good. Um, and training to look good is not necessarily bad. It's, but it's a different set of training. It's different. Like the way you eat, sleep, drink, like all of that is very, very different. Like everything I do is for performance. And so my aesthetics is a side benefit of training for performance because I have to have a clean diet and I have to train like my entire body, which is also why I specifically love weightlifting because I'm training everything I do are most like the majority of my training are compound movements and they're full body versus going in for leg day, arm day, back day. Like, yes. honestly, if you put me in a global gym, <laughs> I'm a fish out of water. Yeah. I don't like, I, me and machines don't get along, but if you give me a barbell, I could do anything I needed um, for a whole body. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, the, the physique comes with it. It's going to be different mm-hmm. than else's physique, but who fucking cares because who's judging? And whoever's <laughs> judging somebody, it obviously has a, a filter on any like, their, their bias. Yeah. And I don't really care to be your friend if you're judging me on how I look. So exactly. So, yeah. Peace. Yeah. Like I, it's. I don't really care. Yeah. Like people are so shallow. Like I only have Instagram now and Facebook like that anymore. And still, when you see like girls who do like crossword weightlifters on there, and then guys, like, who the fuck are you to be the judge of some woman? Like guys, I don't like that. Like, cool. Keep that opinion to yourself if you don't like that. You know, girls because they're yeah. envious or insecure saying, well, I don't like having big arms. Like, cool. You don't have to. It's, we live in a world where we can just be who we are and leave it at that. Leave it alone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, God, it, yeah. you know, it bothers me. I shouldn't let it bother me. But, <laughs> um, cause then again, that's letting people <laughs> bother me. And they shouldn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. It, just people are who they are and leave it at that. Yep. You know, someone told me a long time ago, you gotta be, sli- I, I think I say something every said, you gotta be slimy. You know, if you're sticky, everything gets to you. You know, it's gotta be slimy. Let it fucking roll off because it doesn't matter. And the people that are gonna be positive in your life will stay around anyway, you know. Um yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's yeah, it's yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> um so you're doing the program like with young young children, teaching them to mm-hmm. do Olympic lifts. I've been I've been watching on your social media. Uh, and then my wife actually reached out to you asking if you're doing a for boys because our yeah. old, older son, he's he's like he's built for it. He's he's got the glutes, he's got everything, and we we work out with him here. Um, but his thing is like, I think that's with any kid, whatever your parents want you to do, you don't want to do it. <laughs> so it, we we've had hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, gosh. And we we've had him go over to. <laughs> to Kevin's house and work out with Kevin and he pushes hard when someone else is telling him to do it. But yeah. So I guess talk about that program you're yeah. doing there. Cause that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So my passion is, uh, both. I have two passions, youth and females, because I believe that both of those are, um, underserved most men. Like if you go into a gym, it's going to be mainly men, Again, that is, okay, I'm going to be talking very general biased, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, but our culture is that men belong in the, or men go to the gym and women, you know, run. And that was such a game changer in my life to lift, to lift weights, because that's not something I had as a youth. That's not something that you generally find as women lifting for strength, lifting for muscle. Are you there? Hello again. Hello again. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know what's happened. It like just keeps completely cutting out. Usually, like there's. Yeah. A, that's one reason I, I I hate doing these through Zoom because they you rely mm-hmm. on internet connection. But um, yeah, it, usually it'll like lag a little bit. We've never had it cut out like that. But anyways, we're back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I was talking like to myself. I didn't realize you left. So where did we leave off? <laughs> um. Yeah, we were talking about the weightlifting program for talking about young girls, and essentially that was you're about ten seconds into it. Yeah, yeah, you said uh, that. <laughs> okay. Men are usually lifting, women are running, and then I think we cut out yeah. right after that. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So why I specifically wanted to focus on youth is because I have kids. And I have girl kids, but when I started to see these kids move, whether it would be at, you know, practice or just playing, I saw like a, a breakdown of their movements, whether their heels were coming up 
from squatting or if their backs were caving or they would bend over and like there was just like this unfamiliarity with what I would want to be like a basic foundation for movement on top of weightlifting. I, there's still this huge faux pas and these myths of, oh, they're going to, you know, stunt their growth. They're going to break their growth plates. It's like, I still, every time I post about it, I still get all these comments of, oh, like watch out what weight they're doing. You're going to hurt them. (laughs) Mm. I'm like, have you seen kids carry ginormous, backpacks to school they're full of books like kids are already weight lifting why don't we teach them how to move properly why don't we give them a firm foundation on top of that like when is this magic breach of oh my kid is so fragile they can't lift weights to oh they should be in the gym they should be moving where they haven't even learned how to move with proper mechanics and that's when injuries happen obviously is like if you're not moving right and then you throw a bunch of weight on somebody they're going to get injured. It's not because of the weight. It's because of improper movement. And well, it's both. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I really wanted to give an opportunity for youth and for girls to learn how to not just move properly, but also to lift weights. Because for me, it was a huge, huge, huge confidence boost to, to lift and then to feel how strong my body was. And then it became this, um, so it wasn't just physical. It became this mental, like my mental game was getting stronger because I saw how capable I was. And then it also became a mental game. Whenever you push yourself, like you really have to focus on your thoughts and, you know, what do I need or what am I thinking and how to work through that? And so it really is mental, physical, emotional. I wanted to give that opportunity to youth because um, I believe that if we can give them a former fa- stronger foundation when they're younger, then they can go to the gym when they get older um, and teach those habits. Like, you know how hard it is to like unlearn awful habits that we've accumulated over our youth and then have to relearn them as an older age. So why not give it to them when they're younger? Yeah. That's why. <laughs> so, so when are you, uh, sorry, when are you, uh, have you already started this and when do you do it? Yeah. So I started, well, I started last year and then COVID hit and it got shut down. Okay. And then it was just kind of like figuring out when. So I started again in January and I'm doing right now, I'm doing a course with just youth girls because dude, time is slim pickings in the evenings because you have to wait till everyone gets home from school and then kids are off to a big zillion things on top of me now I'm also trying to get my kids to their gymnastics and their soccer and their piano so right now I just have one class um one or one session for the for the week Mm. so they come twice a week but it's just um like one group is what I'm saying okay I'll just start oh yeah but I, kinda, I really want to do. Oh, it's cut out. No, no we, you're say, good. No, it'd be, it'd be nice to have my daughter do it. Cause she isn't like listening to me. She's about eight years old. <laughs> she's super <laughs> strong and she moves well. Oh, nice. just, uh, if I try to teach her stuff, it's like, Oh, cool. Like, or whatever, you know, you know, it's just how it is. Like, like I said, they don't like to listen to their own yeah. parents. But yeah. They listen to somebody else. Like she needs to get into that since last year. She missed. No, it they don't. Everything else. <laughs> She needs a sport. Yeah. No, I I am a firm believer in they do believe. Well, there has to be the segregation. Like you're a parent, this is your role. And it's hard to flip that switch to coach. It's mm-hmm. hard to flip that switch to teacher. That's why I really have struggled with when school was virtual and school was at home. My kids struggled with that deviation. And so with my girl, so she's in the class, but I found that we struggled to do it one-on-one. And so by doing this class, I was able to bring in other girls. It became, I became more of a coaching role versus a mother role. And so this, it's been a better transformation for us um, because I also, I do struggle to find youth coaches coaching to the caliber that I want. Yeah, right. (laughs) That I, that I know, you know, like, 
I know Olympic weightlifting and I love to teach it. So yeah, it's been fun. Cool. Nice. Well, yeah, I guess we can wrap this up before we lose you again. <laughs> um, but or get cut, get, like, cut off again. <laughs> yeah. Be- before, before that happens again, but yeah, no, we, it, thank you very much for coming on. Cause it was cool to kind of hear about your story and stuff. Um, so do you want, if you want, you can put your social media and stuff out there and our listeners can go find you. What, what is your social media? Yeah. So if you want to find me personally, I'm over at K underscore mighty on Instagram and it is, yeah, it's my little mini circus. So you can find weightlifting and the hoopla of mom life. Awesome.